0: Hey, I want to personally welcome you to Cordless Creators. Here on this show, Joe will interview guests who are in the entertainment industry such as myself. Join the community today and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to them to get the newest episodes straight to your device as soon as it is released. And for the latest updates, view his website, CourtlessCreators.com. Thank you again, Tommy, for allowing me to interview you. Mm -hmm. How are you doing so far?
1: Good, thanks. Good.
0: Uh, Do you think there is a parallel universe that exists?
1: Um, To be precise on that, you know, one can not be really sure, but I'm sure there is a similar form of life out there in the universe that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at it this way, if there's life on Earth, it means there's a possibility there's life somewhere else.
0: Right. No, that's interesting. Uh, while growing up, do you think you would end up where you are now?
1: No. No.
0: No? No. Nope. Not at all?
1: No, not at all, because uh, the area I grew up in, Liverpool, was very self-limiting. Mm-hmm. It was not until I'd made the decision, at when I was 10 years old, that's not the life I wouldn't, I want to lead. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I had no idea that I would uh, come over to the United States and grow and, and live the life.
0: Now, kind of going off of that a little bit, how did you learn what it means to be a gentleman?
1: Well, you gotta define a gentleman first. A gentleman is somebody who considers other people's feelings mm-hmm. and presents himself in a well mannered way, you know, can Wish other people well, and basically treat people as though you want to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. Biggest influence on that was my dad. Your dad? Yeah, because he was always a gentleman. thank you very much, and this, that, and pleased, and thank you. Um, yeah, he was a gentleman. and never heard him swear.
0: At all? Never. Wow. Well, because nowadays, um, unfortunately, some people use that as just their like tone of voice and stuff like that oh yeah what was your journey from going from like living in england mm-hmm. growing up to living in the united states
1: well from you, you know we see what was happening in the united states on television and stuff like that and the the, the quality of life looked a little bit better here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know when my children were born mm-hmm. i had to look at the big picture You know, we owned our own house, and we were the first in the family to buy our own house. Mm -hmm. You had to look down the road at what was was good for, you know, my son and my daughter. Right. So we looked at that, and looked at, like, unemployment where we lived was, like, 28%. I was very fortunate to have a job. And a good job, but it was still that, and I couldn't see it getting any better. Mm -hmm. And it was then, well, you know, you you would kind of put yourself in a, a, not a bit of a quandary, but, you know, put yourself in a questions and answers thing. Mm -hmm. And you'd say to yourself, well, you know, where would you go? Would you go to Australia? That didn't appeal to me at all. And the more I looked at the United States, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife's father had just come back from Florida. Mm -hmm to see and he loved the place he loved the United States and said it was good and he said to me he said you know you, you do well over there because uh, you know it's, it's a better standard of living so then I made a decision in 1974 mm-hmm. that we would come to the United States.
0: Now going off of that um, the conversation that you had with your his spouse's father mm-hmm. how did that kind of end up from you living in England to move into Marlborough instead of Florida, per se. Instead of Florida. Yes.
1: My wife had a lot of quite a few relations who lived in the New England area. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to move your wife out of a situation of close family mm-hmm. in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Cutting her off completely. know, mm-hmm. if we went to Florida, we would cut her off completely because then it would be family would be inaccessible. Oh, okay. So we decided to cushion the blow a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because then we could, you know, some of her relatives Mm -hmm. in New England and, you know, we were not far from Logan Airport. So she wanted to fly home and she did on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. She could fly and um, without any effort. So, you know, it was that for that reason, was family reason that
0: we came to, um, you know, to New England. Primarily uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, What was the music scene in the United States compared to England? The music scene? Yeah.
1: The music scene in, in England was very exciting, particularly in the '60s mm-hmm. and um, partly the early '70s. It was a a situation where there'd be dancers every night of the week mm-hmm. at different locations, and it would be it would never be a task to to go to those locations. And it was what can you say? Uh, it was um, much more exciting to have the music scene in England. Mm-hmm than than it was. And you know, a lot of that music thing in England, like particularly in Liverpool, Mm -hmm. originated in the United States because you get a lot of young people that would go to and from America and they would bring back with them, you know, big albums, big Mm -hmm. records. And on those records would be like Buddy Holly, the big bopper, um, Gene Vincent, Mm -hmm. and a few more. There'd be Chuck Berry and a few more of them. And all all the hits you'd heard, on radio luxembourg back mm-hmm. in the back in the uk which we tuned into every night and it wasn't there was no power to radio luxembourg until like seven o'clock at night and then we could pick it up on what they call the media wave or am mm-hmm. as we call it over here we could pick it up on them and it would come in loud and clear they give you the top 20 and and everything mm-hmm. else and you got to understand something to the music scene in England was dominated by the BBC. Mm-hmm. And the, the BBC would dominate the situation by not allowing an awful lot of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. There would be classical music and light music and yawn music as we used to say. <laughs> and um, But the, the idea we behind um, Radio Luxembourg, that was an outlet for young people mm-hmm. because then the people or the people that listened to the BBC were an older generation and you know whilst some of it was good and cultural but classical music which I don't dislike, I like classical music, Um, you, you know you, you don't want to hear that played every day. Mm-hmm. So it was from that, the music scene in the 60s was good. Also too with the music scene from the 60s saw the birth of the pirate radio stations, mm-hmm. Radio Caroline and a few more of the stations. And we were very for- fortunate in Liverpool. We had a, a strip of water called the Irish Sea, mm-hmm. which was um, the sea between the UK and Ireland. That's why it's called, the Irish Sea. Mm-hmm. And in between that was the Isle of Man. And this tender, a, a ferry tender, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. where Radio, uh, Radio Caroline would put their disc jockeys on, playing music. And, you know, you didn't get seasick because sometimes it was rough and they couldn't broadcast. And they sent the music there. So it, it used to broadcast all down the East Coast. Oh, wow. And you'd pick it up and it would be beautiful. It was all on air, too. I always remember the first record I had mm-hmm. on Radio Caroline. It was mm-hmm. Ragdoll by the Four Seasons.
0: Now, uh, do you still listen to um, some of the music like Ragdoll and stuff like that?
1: Oh, yeah we got a lot of those records.
0: How do you respond to pressure? So like, for example, when you move to, from England to here and also and working in the automotive business? A
1: lot of people will tell you they work better under pressure. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that people um, absorb it better than others and can deal with it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, how, why, how do I deal with pressure? You, you know, sometimes not very well
2: Mm mm-hmm
1: not very well i don't like to be um how can you say confined to not making your own decisions Mm -hmm. and not making decisions for the sake of making decisions i like to think about things think it through and then make the decision Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, going off of that what would you consider your strengths and weaknesses
1: strength is definitely my wife and family weaknesses maybe being a bit vulnerable Mm
0: -hmm um what do you consider your motto or inspiration to come from my what your motto or inspiration to come from like how do you get inspired
1: well it depends what it is
0: i through the automotive business and also as a disc jockey at wblq
1: regards to disc jockey i like i like projects Mm -hmm. uh it may not necessarily be an on-air project but i like Mm -hmm. the idea of something new, something challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, well, somebody says, "Okay, put together uh, this program and or this interview, right. and I can do that with a lot of enthusiasm." And I suppose you could say th- the same is in the automobile business, mm-hmm. where uh, you know I was on the service side. I was an apprentice on the service side, and um, each week was different. Mm-hmm. I used to cry on a Friday night when it was time mm-hmm. to go home. Because I wouldn't be able to go back on Saturday or Sunday to right. work, you know. Yeah, it was. I I, I used to like challenges like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say your favorite interview was that you had to, um, construct, and go about?
1: Joe Flannery, who was the first booking manager of the Beatles, he was good. High of information. Poor guy's dead now, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, but he was he was very interesting to talk to
0: how did you guys um kind of get together how did uh, you connect the
1: phone, on the phone did an interview with uh wblq and called him on the phone nice it was great to talk to
0: um what were the unwritten rules when it came to working in an automotive business
1: to make sure you did a good job and not cheat people mm-hmm. and um show up every day and give a good day's work.
0: Uh, what was the toughest decision that you had to make in automotive business?
1: Um, I started off as an apprentice technician or a mechanic, as they call them over here. Mm-hmm. And then we had to make a decision because it seemed that I developed this um, ability to be able to handle a business. Mm-hmm. And it was tough to leave that to leave the repairing of cars and go into that side of the business, mm-hmm. that was a tough decision to make. But I made the decision, I think I made the right one.
0: Uh, when dealing with high-end clients, what advice would you give to someone who may want to contact someone and become more established?
1: Well, when you when you deal with a high clientele, mm-hmm. you've got to be very discreet and you don't give out any information about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they find that out quickly mm-hmm. and you just keep yourself to yourself and understand what they're talking about, but don't divulge it to anybody else.
0: No, that makes uh, sense because um, social media has seen a lot of that.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the media get all of it and they'll hack it to death.
0: Mm-hmm. What um, area do you feel like you have most um, achieved out of life? What would you say you have achieved the most out of life?
1: Um, Academics, definitely. Uh, Music, absolutely. Um, I think I've achieved a lot with my family.
0: Mm -hmm. What are your top five bands of all time?
1: The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Wings, Mm -hmm. and Herman's Herman.
0: In one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? In one sentence? Yeah, how would you sum up the internet? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your favorite joke to tell?
1: About marriage. <laughs> <laughs> where where we'd say to a guy, you know, you say how long have you been married? So no, fifty four years. Uh, you know, and I don't understand because after six months she said she died for me, she's still alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, what events are on your bucket list? To do. Yes, to do. Or that have you done?
1: Mm. Um I've kind of filled a lot on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to do. would like to go back to the Bahamas. Bahamas? Yeah, for a visit.
0: When did you go there?
1: Oh, back in the 80s.
0: Nice. Uh, can you describe life in six words? Life
1: is precious. Live it the best we can. There's so many people who go through life who are... Are deemed antisocial because they don't know how to, you know, how to interact, mm-hmm. and um, you know some people are shy, some people are outgoing, some people are ingoing, but you know to deal with situations mm-hmm. like you know paying bills and and doing stuff like that and being smart, street smart, mm-hmm. is how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Always having you, know, always having an answer because in some cases, you know. Uh, you know, I'm sure you. I'm sure you know know this, but uh, sometimes you get embarrassed because you don't know what to say back to that person mm-hmm. if they give you a funny thing. But that's normal. That's called learning, mm-hmm. and you have to take that, absorb it, and then think about what you could have said. Right. And maybe said that, but you know, to teach them about life would be phenomenal. Teach them to think on the feet.
0: No, that's interesting because in any field you. will learn that and it will be important.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, going back a few ways, um, from 1957 to 1989, the Cavern was the most prominent club mm-hmm. uh, during that time era. With this being said, what uh, was the most interesting performance that you have seen there?
1: Um, saw the Beatles there quite a few times. One of the best groups I saw there was Jerry Marsden, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Mm-hmm. And there was a group called the Denisons who were very entertaining, and why they never made it on the big scale, I'm not sure, but they used to, you know, the girls would flock Mm -hmm. to this guy called Eddie Parry, who would be the lead singer, and he would be very entertaining, Mm -hmm. you know, and you could listen to it, and you know, a match with the noise that the the cavern made, Mm -hmm. in its uniqueness to produce a beat, uh, which really you could feel in your chest. Mm You know, it was kind of cool.
0: Now, um, what would you say has led to them not being successful? Was it more of a politics thing, or what do you think it was? Is is what? What do you think it was that led to them not being as successful as they could have been?
1: (sighs) Don't think they had the right manager.
0: The right manager, you would say?
1: Yeah, you know, Brian Epstein, when he managed the Beatles, knew all the right people. Mm -hmm. And because his folks had uh, a record store Mm -hmm. and furniture stores mm-hmm. and um, musical instrument stores, they knew the right people to get in touch with. Right. You know, before Epstein, or Brian Epstein, uh, signed the Beatles, mm-hmm. he'd already been in touch with Decca Records to see if he could, you know, get them an audition down there. Oh, wow. But he did eventually, but it went wrong, mm-hmm. you know, they they went very successful. But he had the right contact, he also had the money. Mm-hmm. So he could afford to do things that the other managers couldn't. Right. You know, the other managers would treat the idea of managing groups mm-hmm. as a hobby, as opposed to a career.
0: Right. You know? And obviously that was evident through that per se, right? Because of how successful they could have been.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, now talking a little bit about that as well, um, from the owners artists, and then, of course, the managers, what was the cavern atmosphere like?
1: Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Used to stink of urine. <laughs> you know, when you went down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very steep stairs. Was, mm-hmm. There was only ever um, uh, room for one up and one down. Mm-hmm. You used to always spell disinfectant, Dettol. Mm-hmm. Used to go down there. And it was the result of, like, the, the men's toilets was right... Right there when you went down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, you know the atmosphere was 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 really good, mm-hmm. and it was, how can we say, electric. Electric. Yeah, and you know they they had they were able to produce a beat or a sound in the cabin that you couldn't produce at any other club, mm-hmm. and it was unique to the cabin club itself. And I think
0: that was because of the arches in the cabin. Mm-hmm. If you were going out to the cabin club. Tell me what a night would entail.
1: You get the bus into Liverpool mm-hmm. and then make your way over to um, North Matthew Street, mm-hmm. Church Street Matthew Street, and go in that way. You've been down Matthew Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which would be right by North John Street. And um, go down Matthew Street over to the cabin. Mm hmm. And invariably there'd be, be a crowd there because you know the Beatles were on; everybody wanted to see them. Right. Um, not in the young, not in the early days, but in certainly when they started to aspire towards stardom, mm-hmm. Wait in line, mm-hmm. and then go down the stairs, show your membership card, and they let you in, or pay pay you admission to get into the into the club, mm-hmm. and then they let you in, and then you, the when you. When you went down there there would be a table at the very bottom of the stairs and the stairs were very very steep mm-hmm. there'd be a table there and you would you would take care of the business that way and then if you took a shop left there'd be a, a cafe arrangement at the back mm-hmm. uh, but you know when i say at the back it was like about five six paces away from where the you came down the stairs mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of people would congregate there for um pepsi mm-hmm. Uh, coffee and stuff like that and just snacks. There was no alcohol there was no alcohol and they would congregate there and I used to talk to the Beatles in that area there because there would be a table that invariably Ringo would sit on and Dangle his feet because Ringo was very, No, he's a short guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice, but a short guy and uh, That's the area I Lent Paul McCartney money mm-hmm. to to buy a Pepsi, you know Hey, can I borrow a shilling? You never get it back. <laughs> but that was, that was all part and parcel of, you know, of growing up in the music scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is there a lot of people there on oh, an yeah. average night? Be packed. Well, um, what do you think make the club so iconic that would people, such as like the Beatles, would wanna like go there? Or was it more just the Beatles having a group? of a place to just go out and make a name for themselves and then hopefully make it big.
1: No, you're gonna, you're gonna think of it this way, it's like a triangle, mm-hmm. you know, you need the people, you need the groups, mm-hmm. and you need the place. Mm-hmm. The the, um, the Beatles encouraged the people to go there, mm-hmm. um, but invariably if you went there, just a regular weekday night where there was a mediocre type of group playing mm-hmm. there, you wouldn't get the crowd right you know the the beatles were big crowd pullers and you know even in the even just coming out of the early days going into the famous days mm-hmm. um they would they would command a big audience and they they would go down there and everybody would be all psyched or well, come up, come about 10 o'clock the beatles would come on stage and play and then there would be other groups there like farren's flamingos mm-hmm. was another good group, the Undertaker's another good group, the Denisons was a good group, and they would all, you know, perform and you know, it'd be like a warm up band for the Beatles. But you know, everybody was treated exactly the same. Mm-hmm. When I say exactly the same, there would be no wow, look at him, he's the Beatles and you know, or oh, that's John Lennon over there. None of that. They were taken it was accepted that They were in the group, they played, and they went home.
0: Now, um, talking a little bit about that, obviously, um, the Beatles weren't the only famous group there, because you had Who, the Kinks, uh, Queen, and stuff like that. Well, the
1: Who and the Kinks, they didn't live in Liverpool. The Who came from, like, southern England. Mm -hmm. Um, The Kinks, I'm not sure where they came. No, I think they came from Birmingham, the Kinks. Uh, the Searchers would be uh, a comparable group with the Beatles. Um, they would be—they were very, very, very good. Instrumental were perfect. Um, but a lot of those groups that came there
2: mm-hmm.
1: came there after, well, not so much after, but they came in there when the the Beatles were gathering momentum, mm-hmm. and they wanted to be a part of the Cavern Club and be a part of the Liverpool, uh, you know, the Liverpool wave of music. Right. They wanted to get, try and cap, get captured in the kinks. They, they made a record called um, Waterloo Sunset. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be Liverpool sunset.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, do you think the Cavern Club still has its momentum that it had uh, many years back? No. No?
2: No.
1: No, no it's, it's... Um, It's like, it's gone from being a unique place to Mm -hmm. a a, a cookie cutter type of place, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah, and it was built, it was built now, it was built more for health and safety. Mm -hmm. When the other place wasn't, you know, (laughs) there was a fire in there, God knows, it probably could never get out. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, but no, it's not, it's not got the uniqueness. It lives on the
0: reputation of the old Mm -hmm. club. is, um, if you could, what would you change about it? Like, if you had the opportunity to
1: change it back to try and recapture that? Yes, I don't think you could. No, no, because the uh, the aesthetics are not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the the original cabin was pretty close when mm-hmm. it was designed, and it was originally a fruit warehouse, and then it was a jazz club. Then. Mm-hmm you know, and So they tried many ventures to make it pay. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you could re- redo that again. That's a shame. Mm, it really is. If, they, if the Americans owned that club, they would never have pulled it down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They'd have made the shrine out of it. So, but it's funny, we had, um, we had, we went to a wedding, mm-hmm. and the guy who was sitting on our table was the guy who closed the old club down Oh wow and set it up for de- uh, uh, demolition mm-hmm. and he told me all about the way it was it was mm-hmm. not good for health and safety. they owned a fortune on it on taxes. Wow so they, they demolished it they demolished it and sold the loft, a lot the, the brick off mm-hmm. to, to make money. Wow but they sh- no they should never have demolished that.
0: Now, um, this is the last question. Um, in terms of the automotive and music industry, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to kind of add to that about the two industries? About the automobile business. Yes, or the music industry.
1: Um, I think the music of yesteryear, like the the, the nineties, the eighties, the seventies, mm-hmm. the sixties. I don't think you'll ever bring that back. Mm-hmm. It is coming back in so much as that, the likes of Taylor Swift, who's a very, very talented young lady. And she she makes good, you know, very, very good music. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you'll ever get that back. It's now, it's that rap and, Mm -hmm. you know, which a lot of the young people like, but Mm -hmm. they're entitled to like it because I used to like rock. You know, my era was rock and roll. Right. My parents never liked that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's not, I think music evolves mm-hmm. and, you know, you get all this mixing of music about, you know, rap and all that stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and everything else. And out of it somewhere, somewhere down the road, will evolve a new sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably where that will happen.
0: Um, in terms of that, what do you think would happen more? Do you think two genres will merge into one or what do you kind of... Predict. I don't
1: know. That's difficult. That's a difficult question because you know, if they merged into one, what would they sound like? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody would have to. Somebody would have to come up with something unique mm-hmm. for that in order for that to happen. And whether it could happen, I don't know. Oh,
0: well, yeah. thank you.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. hey, you're welcome.